0: Welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Smith and the Royal Bank of Scotland. The citation for this case is 2023 UKSC 34. And this episode is about whether claims relating to one of the biggest banking scandals of recent memory were brought in time. Both of the claimants in this case, Miss Smith and Mr Burrell, had a credit card issued by the Royal Bank of Scotland. They were also sold Payment Protection Insurance, or PPI for short, where the idea was that the insurance covered credit card repayments in the event of death, accident, sickness or involuntary unemployment. Those of you who remember the seemingly endless adverts about PPI claims from a few years ago may recall that most of the money that was paid for PPI did not in fact go to the insurer, but was instead retained by RBS as commission on the sale. This scandal affected a huge number of people, and indeed to this day the bank has not revealed the exact amount of commission it received. When this came to light, RBS in around 2017 to 2018 offered customers including Smith and Burrell redress under a scheme for PPI mis-selling that was established by the Financial Conduct Authority. By that point, Smith had already ended her PPI agreement in 2006 and her credit card agreement in 2015. Similarly, Burrell had ended his PPI agreement in 2008, although his credit card agreement continued right through until 2019. It was actually in the summer of 2019 when Smith and Burrell each brought a claim in the county court seeking an order under section 140B of the Consumer Credit Act 1974 for RBS to repay all of the money paid by them for PPI along with interest. Their respective cases were successful in the lower courts, but the Court of Appeal ruled in favour of RBS, holding that the time limit had expired. Smith and Burrell appealed to the Supreme Court, and that is where we pick things up. The justices began by examining the relevant legislation. Sections 140A through C of the Consumer Credit Act 1974 were added via the Consumer Credit Act 2006, with the aim of making things much simpler for consumers, while also offering them greater protection. They require a court to first decide whether a relationship between a creditor and debtor is unfair, because of one or more of three specified reasons. We do not need to dive into those reasons here, but it is suffice to say that they are very broad. A court then comes to a decision taking into account the history of the relationship and other matters that the court considers to be relevant. Importantly for the purposes of this case, section 140a subsection 4 tells us that when the relationship has ended, the relevant time for the court to consider is the point at which the relationship came to an end. RBS accepts that the failure to disclose the commission made the relationship unfair, and the court could, in theory, make a remedial order. But the issue that they have is that the claim was not brought in time. Their argument is based on section 9 of the Limitation Act 1980, which sets a time limit of, quote, Six years from the date on which the cause of action accrued. End quote. The case therefore turns on what exactly is the cause of action. RBS argued that the right to bring a case accrued on each of the PPI payments. Therefore, because Smith and Burrell made their last payments to the scheme in 2006 and 2008 respectively, the six year time limit was easily up by the time 2019 rolled around. The justices were not convinced by this reasoning section 140a subsection 4 tells us that the relevant time to consider is when the relationship came to an end and in this case that was not until the credit card relationship came to an end that was 2015 for smith and 2019 for burrell so well within the six year time limit this was not the end of the proceedings however An alternative argument was presented by RBS, and it was this one that ultimately convinced the Court of Appeal. That court held that the claims are time-barred, because the relevant unfair relationship came to an end when the last PPI payment was made. This would again set the date back to 2006 and 2008. Unfortunately for RBS, the Supreme Court felt that this reasoning confused the question of when the relationship actually came to an end, with when the relationship ceased to be unfair. But did the relationship really continue to be unfair after the final PPI payment was made? For the Court of Appeal, the answer was no, because no economic impact persisted for Smith or Burrell after that final payment. The Supreme Court disagreed on the basis that the relationship continued to be unfair because RBS did not disclose the commission or repay any of the money, and so there was a persisting economic effect. This was still the case when the claimants ended their relationship with RBS years later. Ultimately, the claimants were therefore successful, and their claims could proceed. Now, when this judgment was published by the Daily Express, uh, that newspaper reported the decision, quote, unlocks billions in potential PPI claims against banks, end quote. That, unsurprisingly for anyone familiar with the Daily Express, is likely an exaggeration. Lord Hodge pointed out in a concurring judgement that while the six-year limitation period does indeed not start until the credit relationship ends, this decision does not overly expose RBS and other creditors to stale claims. The reason is that the courts are given a great deal of flexibility in terms of the remedies they can grant. In his view, a customer who sat on their hands while they had knowledge of the relevant facts would be unlikely to benefit from an order under Section 140B of the Consumer Credit Act 1974. Nevertheless, the issues around PPI do persist. In fact, just this past week, a fresh legal claim has been launched by the firm Harkis Parker, accusing banks of not refunding commission in previous compensation claims. As part of the case, around 2,500 claimants are taking on some of the biggest banks in the country. Hundreds of thousands of more have inquired about the no-win-no-fee claim, and it is estimated that the total number of eligible claimants could be around 6 million. Each could ultimately be entitled to a payout of around £3,000. Many will have thought that the days of PPI claims are behind us, but this judgement, and the claim brought by Harkers-Parker, show that the greed of banks has consequences for years after the fact. Well, thank you very much for listening to all the way to the end of this episode. Not everyone makes it this far, so your support and dedication is appreciated. If you would like to go one step further, then you can also support my work by subscribing to my Substack there is a link in the description to this episode. There is a free version of the Substack that comes with an e-book for law students that draws on my past life as a university lecturer and provides advice about answering scenario questions in coursework and exams. If you are in a position to support the podcast financially and help to keep it ad-free, then there is also a paid version that gets you a second e-book on answering essay questions and gets you more content from me each week. At first I did stay away from the Israel-Palestine conflict that is in the headlines, but as with many things it has affected law and policy in the UK. Last week in a piece for subscribers, I wrote how Suella Braverman's letter to chief constables not only politicised policing, but also furthered her own goals of clamping down on fair and legitimate protest. If that is the sort of thing that you would be interested in, then do join the many others who help to keep this podcast going. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week. But for now, bye!